Appointed in 2007, Stuart Mitchell is responsible for the Continental European Fund and one of the co-managers for the Greater European Fund. Stuart, welcome to you. Stuart, given the fund's growth bars, how has the ECB's introduction of QE affected your returns? It's a very interesting question. It's not obvious to see the direct impact on the real economy. As you know, the European growth was already beginning to recover quite nicely before the start of QE. What is clear, though, is that uh, clearly the currency was a little bit weaker after the introduction of QE, and also it, it's arguably encouraged a number of foreign investors who have seen the, the success of QE in the United Kingdom and the United States to look more favourably at European assets. I think the real impact, or the most positive impact of all the various monetary policies introduced is, was TLTRO, and uh, that clearly has had a significant reduce the cost of, of borrowing money at the periphery. Perhaps you could explain what TLTRO is. Yes, well, TLTRO was the first of these monetary schemes. One of the big challenges that Eurozone had was that at the periphery, it cost 200, 300 basis points more to borrow money if you're a company than, than at the core of Europe. And so the TLTRO mechanism was whereby the central bank could buy covered bonds and securitized assets and thereby hopefully be able to force down, force down those yields and bring them closer in line to the core of Europe. And that's happened. There's still some yield spread, but basically a large Italian corporate and a large German corporate are roughly borrowing at the same cost now. And interestingly, I think I'm right in saying that that is cheaper than, than a large UK corporate, a large US corporate in a lot of instances. Yes, it is. And we've always kind of felt that's quite rightly so, because um, you know, Europe is a, kind of, it's a high productivity, low inflation economy. So the cost of money over time should be arguably cheaper than the Anglo-Saxon countries. Okay. And over the over past couple of months, we've obviously seen some market volatility. Have you managed to take advantage of that volatility to, to bring in new ideas or top up existing ideas in the portfolios? We, we tend not to trade around too much at the edges. Our approach is very much long term. And, but of course, if you get extreme moves, then it can create opportunity. This time round, our view was the moves weren't quite large enough. I mean, the corrections have only been of the 5 to 10% range. Basically, the market's bounced back very quickly since, so it's been difficult to be able to take advantage. The only um, major thing we, we did was we sold some of our Santander at a very good price, and we managed to reinvest that capital into a number of other different situations we've been looking at. And talking of volatility in the past couple of days, we've obviously seen some worrying developments at Volkswagen with the chief executive resigning and, and a corporate scandal emerging. What's your perspective on that and how have you positioned the funds? Well, it's a, it's a, a tragic story because clearly Volkswagen is, if we get about the scandal, is, is one of the great European companies and is the most, arguably most efficient, profitable mass car business in the world and has a sensational collection of luxury brands, whether it's Porsche, Audi, Lamborghini, etc. And of course, the balance sheet is exemplary. They have a very large cash position. So this is a, you know, it's a terrible, terrible piece of news. We've been playing around with numbers trying to get an, an angle on the cost. I mean, we know the $6.5 billion provision, which will cover recall and write-downs on lease values. We think the fine will be roughly around about the 2 to €3 billion euro level. And that's lower than market consensus, I think I'd be right in saying. Well, it's a good question. I mean, the, the, the market cap is down roughly $20 billion now. It's a, no, it's a bit more than that, $25 billion, because the share price has been up the last two days quite sharply. So that gives you then, if you include those two, that gives you another kind of $10 billion extra that the markets, uh, including above what we think is looks about rational and sensible. That 10 billion, though, could be explained by, and, and I think it's a reasonable argument, that sales growth perhaps won't be quite as 
buoyant for VW as we might have expected in the next two or three years. I mean, what we've done very crudely is we said, well, let's say sales are flat over the next three years rather than growing. Consensus says sales are growing at five or six percent a year. Then um, that would take away some of that kind of gap. But still, we're minded, if anything. We, we, we were fortunate that we sold most of our position a few months back on the China on China fears and you know, we just felt it wasn't fully discounted with the slowdown there. But we're minded to have a thought about uh, buying it back. I mean, at the end of the day, these kind of scandals, normally within two or three months, people have forgotten which car company was responsible. And, and the franchise is just unique. There is nothing like it in the world. And talking of China, Stuart, you were mentioning to me before we started this conversation that you managed to position the fund to avoid the problems of China. Perhaps you could expand on, on, on what your thoughts are there. We've been slightly surprised by the panic that's created around China the last few weeks. And for people like us on the road visiting companies, we could see the slowdown appearing two years ago. And it hasn't got any faster. If anything, our view is the slowdown is beginning to ease a little bit now. It's starting to flatten out. But I guess it was um, the panic was created by the rather pathetic attempt of the authorities to shore up the stock market and also the kind of 3%, 4% devaluation of the yuan. I mean, we, as you say, we basically sold anything exposed to China in 2012. And our last positions we should we sold in the beginning of 2013. And our view is at that time, analysts were still way too optimistic about growth for China, for India, for Russia, all the emerging markets. And uh, I think we're only partly way through this revaluation, speaking to analysts the whole time, and the numbers are still too enthusiastic for China and the emerging world in general. So we think there's quite a lot of derating in the China-exposed stocks still to happen. So, so as you know, in the past, we've talked a lot about it. Our portfolio is very much focused on domestic Europe. That's what it's all about, where the recovery is happening. So, so but you still feel optimistic about your portfolio. I know you're a glass half full man, which I've always admired. Um, <laughs> but you still feel optimistic about the, the opportunities for, for the shares that you own. We do. And I mean, we shouldn't exaggerate. I mean, clearly, China is an incredibly important part of the world economy. But as we we're chatting about earlier, Eurozone exports to Switzerland are larger than they are to China. I mean, only 4% of all Eurozone exports are to China, 4%. Uh, the United Kingdom and the United States are a much larger trading partner, and it's somewhere near to 20% of total exports go to those two, those two countries. So even in a, in a country like Germany, which is uh, 7% of their exports are exposed to China, even with a dramatic reduction in exports to that country, the impact on the economy will be marginal. I mean, it depends if it develops into a full-blown emerging market crisis, then, of course, there'll be a more significant impact. But the way things look at the moment, the consumer is 75% of the economy. That is what all that matters. It's the recovery in domestic demand in Europe. And that's been accelerating. In the second quarter, earnings upgrades were about 5% on analyst expectations because the analysts are way behind the curve on the recovery in domestic Europe. Stuart, I'm afraid that's all we've got time for. Thank you so much. Thank you. Any views and opinions expressed are solely those of the individuals and are subject to change. Where individual securities are mentioned, they do not necessarily represent a specific portfolio holding and do not constitute a recommendation to purchase or sell. Please be aware that past performance is not indicative of future performance. The value of an investment may fall as well as rise and you may get back less than you invested. Returns on equities cannot be guaranteed. Equities do not provide the security of capital characteristic of a deposit with a bank or building society.